consider any role in football that was ever offered one again here in the country, but I haven't been since 2005. How you doing, guys? This is the Green Machine Podcast here with Brian Kerr, part two. David, are you devastated that Kenny, our Kenny, hasn't joined us today <laughs> to defend Devast- Mr. Kerr? I was in the mood for a good row tonight, Nick, actually, if I'm honest. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm devastated but not surprised, shall we say. I think uh, I think Kenny had a look at those notes and he's like, yeah, I don't want none of that. So don't blame him. Don't blame him. I hope people don't get confused when between our Kenny and Stephen Kenny. It's 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 it's, it's our Kenny. <laughs> so yeah, some some decent feedback from last week's episode, lads. It, it seemed to do pretty well. I'm not trying to blow our own trumpet, but it just shows how much interest there is in this era. Uh, one that I think I said it last week. It's probably not spoken about as much as say the Trapattoni era or the first McCarthy era. But there was a lot of obscure and strange things, and a lot of people forget that this was kind of our golden generation. Under Brian Kerr, we spoke about his appointment last week. How it was Brian Kerr who brought through with this golden generation, finally getting the senior reign. So, unfortunately, this 2006 campaign was kind of more of the same, wasn't it, to the to the Euro 2004 campaign. So, we're going to be delving into it. And to start off, and we kind of left you on a cliffhanger last week, was the whole idea or the whole um. I suppose the, the big news at the time, that Roy Keane was going to come out of international retirement. And conveniently, just before he did, Jason McAteer was released by Sunderland, wasn't he? And more or less ended his international career. So <laughs> that, that all ended up that all ended up nice and convenient for Mr. McAteer. So we we left off the last day in the last episode where we just finished off Euro 2004 and we were approaching the Romania match. So Roy Keane coming out of retirement, uh, a little bit of trivia, useless trivia that no one will care about, but I do. I do. I was on the 6-1 as a 12-year-old. <laughs> so my my sixth class teacher, Mr. Fortune, I doubt he's listening to this. Great lad, though. Used to bring us down to, to Gannon Park and Malahide because we were only about, I don't know, maybe a 20-minute walk from the ground. And um, we used to go down quite a bit. And years ago, I don't know if you remember, lads, or... David, I know you're you're probably in Dublin at the time, but you could go into Gannon Park and you could queue up and the players would come out and they would sign absolutely everything. But it only happened every so often. So I remember we went down twice, I think. I remember the teacher brought us down and we were there for ages and it was just taking so long and we had to be back to school or whatever. So we kind of missed out on the autographs and meeting the players and all that kind of thing. But then Roy Keane's comeback match, we went down and not only did we get to meet all the players, they literally signed everything for everyone. It was a different time. Uh, it was kind of on the the little run from the, the training pitch onto the bus. And then the 6-1 interviewed a few of us. And I literally, I literally said to the cameras, they're like, what do you think of Roy Keane being back? And I was like, Roy Keane, what a legend. And then they turned to the guy. I won't name the guy because he mightn't like if I name him because I, I don't really know him anymore. But they turned to the guy beside me. And they said, what do you think of Roy Keane going back? And he goes, Roy Keane, legend. And they used his clip. <laughs> he, was ov- he, was, he was obviously better looking than me. like. But um, I have that on a VHS somewhere. I must dig it out. It was the same night that the last episode of Friends aired in Ireland. I think it had aired in the UK and it had aired in the US. But it was, it was the night it aired uh, in Ireland. And I remember, I think my mum had a recording, but had the 6-1 recording just before. So I must dig that one out. But anyway... 
bit of useless trivia for today. <laughs> I, have a, I have a picture of Roy Keane. I must uh, I must upload that. I must put it on the page. But I have a little little picture of Roy Keane signing signing my notebook. So that was uh, that was an exciting one. But did lead into the Romania match, of course. Matt Holland, happy birthday to Matt Holland, by the way. Um, he he acknowledged the happy birthday, which was great. So scoring the winning goal with five minutes to go against Romania, and during the game, lads, correct me if I'm wrong, but there there were a few boos, weren't there? There were a lot of cheers, there were a lot of keynotes and and so on, but there were a lot of boos as well. So it certainly showed that there were still mixed feelings towards Roy Keane after Saipan and what went on there. Yeah, it was just divided the nation really, didn't it? Um, I remember round with my granddad about it, and yeah. Still to this day, I, I put anything up with Roy Keane on the on uh, Lanson Road, and it's like, oh, you know, he walked out on the country, or it's, uh, he's a legend, he's brilliant. And then Mick as well, oh, you sent our best player home, and you know, I was like, oh, you're right to do it. It's, it still goes on, and it still will go on. So it doesn't surprise me. But I, I think the reception was mostly uh, was was quite warm towards Keane. I remember, for me, I, I can only speak for myself, lads. I remember, I was I was kind of happy he'd come back. It was one of those where. I didn't, you know, I didn't want the thing to happen in the first place. But when Mick, uh, I didn't want Mick to go. But you knew he had to go. It was time for him to go because the hangover from Saipan, it just wasn't going to go away. And you're thinking, right, he's gone. Cares in. What's what's the next best thing? Let's get Roy back. Yeah. Well, it was his opportunity to put a stamp, wasn't it? Because we we kind of remark, and a lot of people when they're when they're defending care, they say, well, he lost two get or there was two games lost already and he had to he had to pick up the the slack of that but this was Kerr's first opportunity to lay his stamp on a full campaign and Mm -hmm. getting Roy Keane back into the fold which which seemed impossible about a year before didn't it because he more or less said he wouldn't play for Kerr he retired a couple of days before the first game against Scotland so it seemed a long way away and then when he was back it it, you know it, it seemed that Kerr was able to to maybe put a shape on things. Roy Keane, one of our greatest players ever. And then this golden generation of players that he brought through in the 90s who won the European Championship, who got to the the World Cup uh, semi-final, you know. So so it all seemed to come into place kind of prior to to uh, to the World uh, Cup in 2006. I'd, I would say that had more to do with Roy's relationship with Alex Ferguson at the time. I think that's what, that's why he came back that respect um, element, you know, that sort of control that Ferguson had over Keane was kind of loosening. Uh, I know we talked about in the last episode where Keane was, was very annoyed the way the club was treating him. And I, I think that was, it was more sort of to do with that. This was um, the summer, or th- this was leading up to the summer in Portugal, wasn't it? Oh no, that was the following year, wasn't it? That was the following yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The infamous yeah, Valdelobo, this... Valdelobo uh, apartments fiasco. Yeah, this was a, like, it was a weird time that he came back as well, Keane. You know, like end of season, end of May. You know, Ireland had matches ahead of Euro 2004, which we were just friendly opposition. So, you know, Keane came back, played in this Romania game at home. And it kind of probably kind of brought a bit of closure to the kind of campaign, the unsuccessful campaign, trying to qualify for the Euros and stuff. So, um, you know, but made the point that, you know, you know, Keane's back now and we're going to go again when, when it when it really matters because, you know, they had games lined up over the next three or four days or for a few weeks. Um, Keane didn't feature in any of them. So it was kind of a little bit like a, in a way, like a testimonial kind of gesture in a way that he was going to turn out for one game and then he wasn't available for the rest of them. So, yeah. you know, it was just kind of a bit of a kickstart again of, of a Kerr campaign, which we were all quite optimistic because it was 
you know, decent group that we were going into. But, um, you know, everyone was quite optimistic thinking Roy King's back and he might be the difference now because Kerr, the legacy of Kerr's first failed campaign when he picked up the pieces from Mick McCarthy were, you know, the reason we didn't qualify in a way was that we kind of blew it in the early two games. Um, mm-hmm. So was Roy King going to be the difference? That was what we were all looking forward to. And, you know, we, we did have some of the similar kind of standard of teams. We had the Swiss again. We fancied ourselves against Israel. And we knew, again, we had to beat the top seed, which was France. So, you know, they were in a disarray as well. But, I mean, it, it was a kind of optimistic time. I know I keep saying it, but, like, you know, we, we'd had these two games then lined up in London, uh, which as, as the supporters club in London, we were really looking forward to. I can't remember the FAI doing anything with us as a club to try and promote it or do anything special on tickets or anything like that um, or sure. any events around it. I can't remember it. I mean, I didn't I didn't actually go to the Nigeria game. I don't know where I was, but I wasn't at that. But I did go to the Jamaica game. Um, and yeah, the Unity Cup. I mean, we blew winning the competition because uh, I looked yeah, it up but... there. Nigeria won that overall. Uh, yeah, and in the Valley. In the first game. Yeah, what's well, in the pitch and bits because in they used to play rule. It was the London Broncos, I think, used to play in in the Valley. And what's in the pitch and bits because wasn't it Obeche and then Obafemi Martins? I think he was only about seventeen yeah. at the time. So three nil thrashing. I think Kerr's biggest ever loss, and then beating Jamaica one nil. Graham Barrett scoring. I think I think he he had a decent goal return, didn't he? Wasn't it like two goals and four caps or something like that? And then. After the Unity Cup in London, we got to Amsterdam. We beat the Dutch 1-0. Robbie Keane scoring an absolute screamer. And this was the Dutch team that were fancied to, you know, to, to do well in Euro 2004. It was an Ireland team that, that hadn't qualified for Euro 2004. And it was an understrength Ireland team. I think it was, isn't, wasn't it Michael Doyle who, who plays for Notts County? I think he's still knocking around. He's in his 40s. And I think Robbie he started Doyle. centre mid. Yeah, Roddy Doyle. And then the Dutch team, so in disarray as always, you know, I think things were, yeah, that, things that were a, a little good, bit, a, a bit disjointed really, for them. That was a really good trip, that though. I mean, it was like Ireland fans travelled in in huge numbers because, you know, we, were, we weren't going to the Euros ourselves, but we were going to see Holland in a way. Um, they were quite, they had a great team at the time. You know, if you look at their yeah. starting lineup, Van Nistelrooy, Kluivert, Van der Vaart. I mean, Wesley Snyder was in it, Davids. It was a superb team. I mean, they were one of the favourites to win it. Um, and we went over there and beat them 1-0. What is brilliant in that, as you look back at that, a lot of our fans enjoyed the highlights of Amsterdam, and it's great footage of that game when it pans to the, the crowd reaction. Like Loads of Irish fans didn't realise we'd even scored. There's people asleep in the stadium. You know, everyone had just had far too much drink and other well, substances, I'm guessing, that, as well. That, that's what happens when you play Jamaica on the 2nd of June and then, you, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then you play Holland on the 5th of June. You know, it's never exactly. it's, it's, it's never going to be a good combination, is it? Uh, uh, yeah, it was so, a really good... It was a great trip, though. Yeah, and decent win. I mean, as I said, that that was one of the greatest Dutch teams of, of recent times, wasn't it? And then yeah. on the 12th of August, so we come into the group and we draw France who just didn't have a fairly underwhelming Euro 2004. The Swiss, who we'd lost out to for Euro 2004. We had Cyprus. We had the Faroe Islands. And then, of course, Israel, the lovely Israelis, who we'll be speaking about at length later on. So, <laughs> but, but in the lead-up, so in the August, just beforehand, Zinedine Zidane announces his international retirement. Claude McAlealy as well, I think, didn't he? And there was definitely someone else. Was it William Gallas? No, it wouldn't have been Gallas. No, no, Gallas was only young. Yeah, it was Lillian Tram. So they had already Tram, said yeah. 
they said we're retiring after the Euros, that's it. And Zidane yeah. wasn't too sure. So he left it up to, yeah, 12th of August. Um, he said, yeah, I'm going to sit this one out, lads, best of luck. So, which didn't really, they were very unhappy under Dominic. Um, and I think, I don't think he wasn't a manager for 2004. I think he'd only, he'd only just come into it as well. I could be mistaken on that one. So, yeah, there was a bit of upheaval there. Jack, with Jack, was it Jacques Santini? 2004 no, and he not. yes it was and he left to take over sports yeah yeah, yeah. And, so, and then and then a month later an even bigger retirement that that would have really upset Roy Keane Jason McIntyre retiring from international football El Triggs yeah I mean, oh god he wasn't he was I don't think he was over the moon about Roy's uh yeah. I don't think he was a I don't think he was over the moon about Roy's retirement b I don't think anyone really cared yeah, things went stale from unfortunately, and then yeah. a couple of, and, and then one more game leading up. Then it was the the game against Bulgaria, a one all draw. Andy Reid scoring his first goal, one of his first caps as well. And then Roy Keane was initially ruled out of the Cyprus game and the Swiss game. So the two the two um the two games going to kick off that campaign. I think he came back for Switzerland, didn't he? But the he did, yeah. Swi- the the Cyprus game was my first day of secondary school. This is all about me. Like this, this episode is just all about me, really, isn't it? So a three 0 win. So Andy Reid scoring an absolute curling screamer off the left boot, and Robbie Keane, of course, equaling Noel Quinn's record of twenty one goals. Uh, Clinton Morrison scoring the opener as well. So in the three 0 win against Cyprus, which seemed a long way away, only a couple of years later, and then to make things even better, the French drew nil all at home with Israel. So already we're kind of fancying ourselves after a comprehensive win, and then the French slipping up and then just a couple of days later lads this is where maybe we see the the surrendering of leads maybe mm. opening up the narrative to this qualification campaign the 1-1 draw with switzerland clinton morrison opening the scoring and hacking yakking coming back to haunt us again after doing so in basel just a year before yeah uh, i at the time was actually working in a bar in marino grangers in marino uh, on the Malahide Road there and I was working and I was watching this and I remember Clinton Morrison we scored the first attack and I was thinking brilliant you know here we go like this is I know I said in the last episode you know there were red flags there for, for from Kerr from you know the the Russia game and, and uh, just her style of play it wasn't very inspiring but I wanted to give him a chance I genuinely wanted to give him a chance I thought Keane you know this is the thing with Roy Keane and Irish fans and they might deny it now but a lot of people felt that Roy Keane, once you had Roy Keane, you were invincible. He's going to change the whole thing. That's all we were missing from the year 2004 campaign. Now, looking back at it, like we have, you realise it wasn't just Roy Keane. Uh, there was a lot of other issues there as, as well. But you're thinking, Roy Keane's back in the team. This first uh, competitive game from the first from the infamous first leg against Iran as well in 2001. Yeah. And I thought, here we go. And then they went and bloody scored a goal a few minutes later. I, I only watched this game recently. I, I rewatched it for the first time uh, since I watched it from behind a bar in Dublin. And I must say, the goal, the first, we weren't great. Like we, we genuinely weren't great. It was a good result, though. It was a fantastic result to go there. Like You draw your away matches against your competitors, your main competitors, and then you win your home matches, and that's it. Like yeah. And you win and everything team, else in between. And, and, a, and a team that had beaten us twice in the, in the last yeah, campaign. It, it was a clear improvement, because you're thinking, this team hammered us in Basel. Uh, mm. the, the year pre, well, actually, yeah, the year previous, they absolutely hammered us. We were pathetic, actually, in that game, and you you, you saw a clear improvement. You think, brilliant, you know, this it, this is a really good result. Uh, I remember, well, actually, I don't remember. I just watched it last week, but 
they had second we scored, they came at us sick and hard. Like they really, really came at yeah. us. And Shay Given, anybody, if you get a copy of this game, Shay Given pulls off three world class saves in five minutes. Mm. And then uh, there's mistakes by Roy Keane. There's mistakes by Kilban. Kilban's mistake leads to the goal. Um, watching yeah. back as well, Roy Keane was definitely not the player that he was. I'll just say that now. He actually was making errors. He was giving balls away. He was still quite good. He was quite solid, but he was nowhere near. You, you think back to Cyprus, Holland, Cyprus away, Holland and Portugal, where he was all over the park. He And he looked just infallible. He he wasn't he wasn't the same player. Now he had injuries and stuff like that. His passing was still great. His vision and you know his tackling when when he got there was was always spot on. But sometimes like he'd he'd just give the ball away, he'd make errors. He wasn't getting around the pitch as much as he, he used to. Uh, Morrison also he scored a first goal, but he actually was given out about he made claims of racial abuse from the last game. Yeah, uh, you know which. It's kind of weird, isn't it, that that only sort of comes out as a kind of a pre-match thing where if that was now, they'd be reported straight away, wouldn't it? It's a t- totally different, and rightly so, by the way. It'd be a massive deal made about it, and right, rightfully so. But it wasn't um, it wasn't a great um, performance by Ireland. Uh, we could have been... It could have been we could have been four one down like at one stage, you know, and the referee was really, really bad for us, but it was encouraging. It was much better than O three, and Robbie Keane as well. He was, th- there was one where he was through on goal and he, he actually thought he was offside and he just lost concentration. Robbie, that was one thing with Robbie as clever as he was. How many, I can think of a couple of times where he actually was through and he, he was actually onside when he thought he was offside and he never played to the whistle. Yeah. Germany and, Crow, Germany and Crow yeah. Park. Yeah. That's one I was thinking of. Mm. And yeah, as I said, it was encouraging, but the performance, looking back, and it wasn't great. And it wasn't, but it was a fantastic result. You know, it was definitely, you take that before the game. Yeah, you know? that, that kind of era, that kind of, even now, I mean, going up to Basel was always a very difficult thing, wasn't it? Up in, up in altitude, and the, you know, the Swiss had a very good record there. And then just a month later, we go to France. So, at this stage, as we mentioned, so Zidane, Makaleli, Taram, all retired. Patrick Vieira suspended as well. And we had a very good chance to win, didn't we? I mean, Clinton Morrison with an, with an early chance. And John O'Shea, I think I think everyone associates that game with John O'Shea's miss, don't they? And it's funny because I remember a friend of mine, a guy that was on my football team actually at the time. And I remember he came back and he was like, like we were only, Jesus, we were only about 12 or 13 maybe at this stage. And I remember him saying, he was like, it was really weird because all the Irish people were sw- were singing the French anthem. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cracking anthem, to be fair. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But yeah. apparently the apparently there was um, Irish fans there? Or or am I just pulling that out of my arse? 30,000? Uh, 20,000, I thought. Like It was, it was 20, one of the yeah. biggest numbers we've had oh, in an away numbers. game. Yeah, yeah. 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 it was something numbers, insane. All over the street. It's a really good, a great trip, that. You know, I, I think I did all the aways in this campaign. And, um, yeah, this was a really good one, like, you know, seeing And we nearly did get the result with um, John O'Shea uh, missing the chance at the back post. An interesting one looking back at that, though, is Mr. Prepared, you know, fail to, you know, prepare, <laughs> prepare to fail. Roy Keane runs off the pitch after a few minutes because he's basically forgot his pants. <laughs> so, um, yeah. The old, so that, jo- that the old jock strap. The yeah. old jock strap, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a good one. Like, this is again. I, I'm, this campaign is. I really love this one because when we used to go to the away games, this is when the under 21s mirrored the seniors. So All you the had draws, under 21 yeah. fixtures the night before, 
and mm. we travelled to um, to the under twenty one game and uh, to watch Ireland France uh, the night before. And it, there was a kind of thing then that you had to have uh, your your the the game couldn't be too far away. It was a certain kind of mileage uh, away from the senior game to encourage people to go to the game. This, I think we were the only coach there, the one from West London. Um, we got a coach there. We all got a, this is to the under-21 game the night before. So most Irish fans, you know, 20,000 fans or whatever travelled over are out the night before, going to party on the streets and stuff in, in Paris. We were on a coach, freezing cold coach, my dad, and we went all the way to, I don't even know where it was. When we got there, we got a police escort in. We literally had two police <laughs> officers per supporter going in. And they were just staring, watching us, watching us during the game. I think Ireland lost one 0 or something. But it was um, there was a young lad, uh, Pongol maybe. It was at Liverpool. No, Cinnamon Pongol, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He might have played. He might have played under twenty. I'm not sure. I like. I have to look that up. But um, that was just mad. Like, and then we travelled back in that night, uh, back into kind of Paris from wherever it was. But um, yeah, they, that was a great trip. And uh, yeah, on the senior game, I just remember. Yeah, we were very unlucky not to get out of it but we were happy you know I remember leaving yeah. Paris thinking god that's that's this is not a bad result it's still France still a mm. you know former yeah. World Cup winner not dominated far. possession as well yeah, yeah 62% possession after fit now they weren't very prominent with the possession stats but they, you yeah. know uh, George Hamilton kept shouting them out during commentary he's like 62% possession after 15 <laughs> then after 55 I think we had like 51% possession against France as well like it was um, but that, that, that you know I don't want to get. I don't want to sound like too much of a downer, but you know, nil nil in Paris is always a good result. But that wasn't a great France team. That was a depleted French team, yeah. It was that a, midfield, a very very inexperienced midfield, from what I remember. Yeah, uh, Mavuba and the court had, I think, three caps uh, between yeah. them. Those two lads. So like, it, it wasn't great. You had no Makaleli. You know, you didn't have Charam. You didn't have Zidane either. You know, um, mm. yeah, Perez was playing, but he never really did it for France. He actually he fell out with the manager soon after. And you know, um, uh, you look at our team. Like our starting lineup had Given, Stephen Carr, Steve Finnan, Kenny Cunningham, John O'Shea, Andy O'Brien, Chemical Ban, Roy Keane, Duff, uh, Robbie Keane, and Clint Morrison. You know, that's it. That's it. That's a smashing lineup. That's a that's a very that's a strong lineup. It's not a world class lineup, but it's a very no, very take, good. You take it now for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, and uh, you know this match again, yet again, uh, didn't really create a lot of chances. Um, you know we should have won the game, and uh, Shea's around the corner, but it was very, it was very positive. You know you could see something, you could see something happening with the Ireland team around the stage. You're thinking, yeah, you know we got the result in Basel. Um, a few a few weeks previous, and now we get this result here, and you're thinking, Do you know what? Two biggest, two biggest competitors in that group. We've got two results away from yeah. home, and we've got. And to then play Switzerland, them. Switzerland drew with Israel as well that night, so it was exactly just and, and everything. And they're dropping points, and I, mm. I remember thinking, this is brilliant. I actually had the flu that night, uh, not man flu. Anyone listening? I was working <laughs> in a nightclub, and uh, Stanley's off air where. Uh, I had actually had a job, I can't remember what it was, but somewhere down on, um, oh, Christ, Stevens Green, around that, uh, Harcourt Street. And I, at the behest of the girl I was seeing at the time, I had lied to get the job, saying that I was a barman in Ibiza and England and whatever, you know, and I, that's why I didn't, have, and I just gave fake names and references. And of course, you know, I got found out, like I didn't have a clue what I was doing, you know. And uh, I remember this particular game, I had the flu and I crawled, I shouldn't have gone to work, I was really, really ill. 
And I remember I had to sit in the toilets for 20 minutes with my head in my hands because I, I was in such pain. And the uh, the nightclub, like the music was absolutely blaring. Yeah, I didn't last too much longer in that, uh, in that particular job anyway. Yeah, it's only, only about a month later. Or no, it was only a couple of days later, wasn't it? We played Faroe Islands and Robbie Keane, of course, become on our record goal scorer. And he, he scored a couple of more after then, lads, didn't he? The forty the something, one, yeah. uh, the the forty something on top of that twenty one. So, yeah, the two 0 victory against the Faroe Islands, and then this is the thing that I always look at the career at the friendly results. So two friendlies, um, kind of that came afterwards. So in November we played Croatia, Robbie Keane scoring the only goal in the one nil win, and that was a very strong Croatia team at the time as well. I mean, I know they got to the World Cup final a couple of years ago, but this, in terms of how they would view their national teams, this was certainly up there with one of their best and. Then some lovely stuff happened just after that game, didn't it? So Fran Rooney was ousted. <laughs> CEO is the of the FAI, and in comes the lovely John Delaney. So uh, yeah, a, a, a golden time for Ireland. I wonder was, whatever uh, came was, with Delaney. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he made a bit of a name for himself, didn't he? Did did, did well, didn't he? And then yeah. of course the Player of the Year awards, just to mention them. So Kevin Kilbane getting the FAI Player of the Year. And Andy Reid getting the Young Player of the Year and Ireland finishing 12th in the FIFA World Rankings, which when you look back at it now, lads, is, is something else. Amazing. Isn't it? Yeah. Crazy, isn't it, really? Yeah. And then just a, something else to note then in uh, <laughs> in February of 2005, so Aikino debuting in the Olympia Theatre. So Mario Rosenstock, of course, um, of course, uh, the, the brains behind that and eventually walking out in the show as well. So, again, in the midst of that <laughs> qualification campaign. I actually went to that. It was it was excellent. And then, as I mentioned, another very impressive friendly win. So, the, the European runners-up at the time, Portugal, came to town and I was at that game. I was actually at the Croatian game as well, but I was at the Portugal game. And Portugal wore black and white for an anti-racism campaign. And it was the only time I think I saw Cristiano Ronaldo play. So, Andy O'Brien scoring one of the scrappiest goals I've ever seen live. In a 1-0 victory. So it was um, a good result nonetheless. So back-to-back wins against Croatia and Portugal. Giving us plenty of confidence. And then on the 11th of March. So John Delaney becomes the FAI CEO. On a full-time basis. And said that Brian Kerr was doing a, carif- a terrific job. But won't commit to a new contract. So surprise, surprise. Because didn't it, didn't he kind of do the opposite a few years later. With Trapattoni and O'Neill. So very interesting to see. And then on the 15th of March. The inaugural Satanta Cup game. Between Glentora and Longford Town. So, again, that's quite relevant to what's going on now at the moment, lads, isn't it, with the All-Ireland League. So we commence the, or recommence, rather, the, the qualifiers then against Israel in Tel Aviv. And this really epitomised the 2006 qualifying campaign, lads, didn't it? Clinton Morrison with the goal after only a couple of minutes and then a stoppage line goal from Israel <clears throat> as we come away with the draw. And I remember the, the funny thing about this game, lads, so... You know, I didn't have any digital TV or anything like that until I was about 17, but the the satellite we had was really dodgy and the the if it was a nice day if if there was good weather things would just cut out and i remember the israeli it was from range wasn't it like it's from decent range and i just remember the shot coming in and then the tv just went (laughs) and i was like I think I was on, it might have been on Easter holidays from school. I can't remember, but I remember it was just really nice out. And then about five minutes later, came back and the game was over. And then I had like, you know, when it goes back to the to the pundits and it just got the score and it was like one all. <sighs> that was yeah, a tough yeah. one, lads, wasn't it? That was a really this tough was, one. This was disappointing. This was like, you know, we, 
it was it was a bit bit weird. I think Kerr kind of knew that this group was going to be quite close, and he didn't really take any chances with his subs in this game either. Like he had Andy Reid on the on the bench, and he, you know, we we I mean we Clinton Morrison done a hell of a job for Ireland at this time. You know, he was all scoring and stuff. He was very um, competitive and and influential for us. But um, I, I just I, I've travelled over there, and it was one of those trips which hopefully some of our listeners will be familiar with, where literally you fly in somewhere, you don't bother booking a hotel, you're going to be in and out, and you just kind of see if you can make it through the night, and it might be at the airport. But uh, we went there, and I, I've never seen this. I always just, anyone I tell about this trip, it's just the quickest sunset I've ever seen in Tel Aviv. We were out on this beach bar, and a minute later, it was just pitch black, and we watched the sunset in like about a minute. But um, it was just a really good good trip. Um, but, you know, we 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 should have been a lot better in the game and um that was a disappointment really and and the late goal was the killer going home to Ireland and stuff after it was the game. so it was, it was so Brian Kerr it was just so Brian Kerr conservative yep. after such an early start the same as getting like we, we were just getting early goals we we're just coming out of the blocks starting well same as same as Switzerland scoring early and then just sitting back hoping for the best going conservative going safe and then bang a sucker punch just a an opportunistic strike really wasn't it and it just kind of slipped through this was oh. yeah this, this, this was sort of this was this is where doubt started creeping in now a little bit because you understand going to france trying to chase results and actually we were so positive against france you know we smelled blood against france but we just couldn't quite do it we couldn't get the job done this is israel you know i mean okay israel went and had a couple of decent results um, I said, you know, earlier on in the group, but when you score early, you know, fourth minute, and then you just sit back instead yeah. of going for the second. You go for the second one, game's dead, game's done. Then maybe you might nick a third. Like the game, you know, the game's over, and you look at the quality. You look at the team that Ireland had mm-hmm. there as well. This this was McCarthy's team. Um, you know, ripe, perfect. Like they they this is this is their coming coming of age. You know, this is a coming out party. They're in it. You know. <laughs> Not in that particular way. God, I'm I'm living alone too long. Um, but no, this was really this should have been. You know, these lads are in their mid twenties now. They're at their peak, so they should be mature enough. You know, we had the few results back in Euro 2000 where we were sort of you know shipping last minute goals and stuff. We got rid of that with the World Cup 2002 campaign. You know, this should have been a follow on from that. These lads have grown up. They're leaders, and they should be able to just see this out mm-hmm. and go about their business. But care sat back and George Hamilton's commentary at the end summed it all up when it was a lovely goal as well, by the way, uh, your man was an Arab. In fact, the guy that scored, which was weird. Um, and he was a bit of a cult hero for them after this. Um, Siwan, he was actually an Arab playing for Israel, uh, which was a big deal back at, yeah. uh, around that time. Mm-hmm. And George Hamilton turned around and just says, well, there you go. And three points have been just, thrown into the Mediterranean or two points had just been thrown into Mediterranean and they were and that that was that was a sickener and that kind of, that did we were kind of fortunate because we've been done by Israel but you think you know what our next competitive game is going to be against them so we have an opportunity to yeah. sort of get revenge on these guys and that was talked up and I know we're going to get to that in a second also this was another sign that Roy Keane was definitely on the way this is this is Roy Keane from the 2002 campaign, and I dare say what he could have been during the 2004 campaign. That result doesn't happen. 
he would have been barking orders. He would have been screaming at players, and he would have been making sure that we got three points, a bit like Cyprus. Um, yeah. But it, well, it was a perfect, yeah. perfect game for him, I suppose, in his yeah, prime, wasn't and, it? And he was he was as pedestrian as everyone else in this game as well, which which yeah. is kind of sad to think back. You know, I think back at Keane, I think back to the two thousand and two campaign. Uh, but he was very pedestrian at this point. He was coming yeah. down the mountain, you know, and it was it was kind of obvious. But yeah, a really really bad result that yeah. and. And the way it happened, yeah, it was really bad. It was static. And sandwiched in between the, the home fixture was a game against China. And another game I was at, and what I remember about this game, I mean, look, 1-0 win, Clinton Morrison scoring fairly late on. But I remember Roy Keane wasn't on the program. He wasn't on the match day program, and I don't think he was on the official team announcement. And I'd never seen Roy Keane play, and he was one of my favorite players. Actually, funny story, I won't digress too long, but I a friend of mine, his dad had a season ticket through work with Manchester United. And I was given the option of two games, basically going over for the day. And it was, I think, United-Fulham or United-Portsmouth. And I said, oh, I'll go to Fulham. I think Portsmouth had just been promoted. This was a couple of years before. And I said, I'll go to the Fulham game. So I went to the Fulham game. They lost 3-1. Roy Keane was injured. And then a couple of weeks later, they played Portsmouth. Roy Keane started and scored. And I was like that. I was like, that's my only chance to see Roy Keane because I was a Roy Keane fanatic at the time. But Roy Keane wasn't on the team sheet or, or the program or anything. And he came on with a few minutes ago, and I went bananas. You know, <laughs> probably, probably, the, probably the most. And the, the the cheer was huge. There was only about I don't know. There's only about twenty thousand people in Lansdowne Road that night. And it was the biggest cheer of the night, even bigger than the goal itself. So, yeah, that summer then, lads, just more of the same, wasn't it? An early 2-0 lead, Ian Hart and Robbie Keane oh. putting Ireland ahead. And then some absolute madness transpired after. We're 2-all by halftime. And there's a couple of things I remember from this game, lads, that I never really saw that much from an Ireland team growing up as a kid. Because, um, no offence, but I'm that, that bit younger than you, lads. But I never really saw a penalty conceded by Ireland. And I never really saw a red card. And both of them happened in that game on top of some amateur dramatics from the famous Dudu Ewitt. Yeah, this is this is we probably blew this. You know, we we, we were really good um, and, and deserved lead, and yeah, then it just went to pot. And yeah, I mean, the, the game I remember to send it off, which was quite harsh, I think. And you just play acting, and, and um, around that time as well, after the games, we used to go to the Burlington Hotel and stuff, kind of for a drink and stuff, or even before the game. That make that was our route in basically uh, that side of Dublin. And um, I remember being in the in the uh, Burlington before the game and we were in the bar and uh, Abramovich was in there. So it was quite exciting seeing him, the Chelsea owner, you know, multi-millionaire. And he was actually with Avram Grant, which we didn't know who Avram Grant w- was then, but someone yeah. said, oh, that's who he's with. But yeah, they were really confident. Like we were chatting to a few Israeli fans before uh, the game and they were really confident. And I was just, God, I was just praying that we would hammer them because they were just uh, arrogant from the, the, the draw in Israel and then to for us that I, I remember I've never kind of going to a game and really wanting us to hammer someone because of how their fans had been before it and the arrogance of them because I didn't really rate Israel that highly and I thought you know mm. we should be beating them but I, I just really found this fella it really annoyed me so I was going uh, and then you know after the first 10-11 minutes I was thinking yeah brilliant this is working to plan and then just that outrageous behavior from their keeper and we went back to the Burlington after and the keeper comes in and he's wearing his full kit come through the reception area and Lazarus <laughs> fans everywhere and, and he's got this like bit of um, a kind of 
cold press against his mouth and everyone's going go on show us it then show us your cut or whatever it was but mm. there was nothing there but it was just that was just a funny well, like, didn't, story didn't didn't you get attacked in the burlington didn't someone throw like an ice bucket over someone threw uh, water or something like that yeah, yeah. but yeah he, he but he came he in with attacked. his full kit like it was crazy because a lot of the teams used to stay around there the away team used to stay stay there um yeah. around that time which was a good little venue to go to but right. um I remember the offside show that was on years ago. So Carl Spain and uh, well Andrew Maxwell it was, but Carl Spain was a guest, and they said um, they had footage of Dudu Ewick getting the ice bucket thrown over him, and I think it was like a live show. So someone sent a text in, and they said, "Why didn't they hit him with something harder, like a four by 4 I just thought it was so funny him coming in wearing the full kit. It was like he'd been like ran out of Lansdowne Road yeah. and they wouldn't even Pol- let him get changed. But uh, kit you know, wanker. They were very um you know you know delirious really. Like they were oh. so you know, because they they got some really good results in the group to be fair to them and coming to Dublin was a massive result. And again late goals just killed us and that this game it was just uh, so annoying. This game. I'm gonna go on the rant alert here. Uh I watched this game only weeks well a couple of a few weeks ago, got the D V D of it. And this for me was the end of care. The players just sort of lost it with him. We it were epitomized, it just epitomized care. It, again, it was just this whole campaign. It was just yeah. throwing away early leads and this, sitting back and he, just being he, tactically inept. Absolutely. This if there was ever a sign of somebody just not up to it, this was one of them. There's another one coming up later on in the campaign, but this was an absolute sign of it. For twenty six minutes, we were fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Took a little while for us to get warmed up and we battered Israel. We had Duff and Reed on the wings and of course there were two-footed lads as well so they could switch. The fullbacks had no answer for them. Ireland battered them. We should have had a penalty as well before that. Robbie Keane was very unlucky. He was taken down in the box. I think that actually he got injured from that uh, clash if I'm not mistaken. And we Ian Hart scored on his first game back for Ireland for months. Um, I think it was his first game under Brian Kerr, if I'm not mistaken. He had he, for whatever reason he had a fallout with Kerr. Kerr didn't like him, probably to do with the fact that Ian Hart couldn't defend either. But there you go. And he scored a lovely free kick on the sixth minute. Robbie Keane scores a lovely goal, beautiful ball by Andy Reid. By the way, oh my God, over the top, phenomenal. Yeah. Like you just you look back at this guy Andy Reid, like he should have been a regular in the Premier League. Amazing. So then, unfortunately, Robbie Keane couldn't continue. So what do you do? It's not broken. So you know. Don't fix it. What does Brian Kerr do? He takes off Robbie Keane. He puts on uh, Graham Kavanagh, the, the central silver midfielder. Fox. Yeah, the silver fox. So we had in the centre of the park. So just to anybody who uh, doesn't remember this game, right? So we had Matt Holland and Chemical Ban. Chemical Ban had been converted into a midfielder, which a central midfielder, which seems crazy, but it actually worked. In fact, he got player of the year. So it actually worked well with him. It was quite well balanced. Uh, with him and Roy Keane in the centre. But Matt Holland had to come in because Roy Keane was out. Uh, he was suspended for this game. Roy Keane was at the match, by the way, uh, sitting in the stands. And it worked really well. You had Duff and you had Reed on uh, the wings and they were interchanging. And it was fantastic. We were playing some really lovely football. And it, we should have been out of sight. Like It was brilliant. It was really great to watch. So Brian Kerr, in his infinite wisdom, and this for me, I could never forgive him, and I still haven't forgiven him for it, decides to bring on Graeme Kavner, um, for Robbie Keane. So, what that entails is that Chemical Ban, he puts Chemical Ban out on the left wing, where Chemical Ban, let's be honest, was never particularly good at. 
he was quite terrible on the left wing. He puts Duff up front um, yeah. with Clinton Morrison, two had never played before. Damien Duff at this time was one of the best wingers in football. Him and Aaron Robin were tearing up the Premier League at Chelsea. So he puts him up front with Clint Morrison, a player he's never played up front with before, by the way. He played up with Robbie Keane a couple of times. It was never great. It kind of did all right no. against the lesser teams. But Duff... and, and, and Keane used to drop quite deep, didn't he? And then yeah. Duff used to drift wide. So there was kind of method to that madness where they, they, Morrison, they knew, Morrison yeah. was a lot more central, wasn't he? And Duffer yeah. was, and, and was more of a wide man. Before. But anyway, and then they, he puts Andy Reid on the right wing. So now we're in this rigid 4-4-2. And it just screwed everything up. I'm doing well with the language this week, lads. But it just messed everything up. And all of a sudden, Israel then, they got a given made a bit of a mistake. But we had them. We were battering them. They had absolutely no answer for us. You stall us. The engine, you, you turn the engine off. You stall the engine now because of that substitution. So... That takes, you know, when you make a big change, all of a sudden, like the team has to take takes a bit of a while to get going again. And by the time we got going again, they've got two quick goals, and it killed us. It completely killed us. And then, yeah. you know, Dudu Awate or whatever way you say his name, then he, you know, his antics. The, the red card was was a shambles. He actually hit Andy O'Brien. Andy O'Brien turned around to him and he. And uh, Wate went down holding his face. Now that red card, the ban from that red card. He, actually, but the whole game, the whole game, he was going down holding his face for everything. He, it was outrageous. Yeah, and the crowd, I I went ballistic. I watched it at my brother's house in Selbridge. I went ballistic at the telly when he made it because I said to my brother, why is he doing it? Why is Kerr doing this? He's he's going to kill this and we're probably going to concede a couple of goals here because our defence wasn't great under Kerr. <clears throat> he liked to play defensive game, but it wasn't great because we kept conceding late, silly late goals. Um, anyway, uh, and, uh, yeah, and I just, I was watching Kerr on the touchline when I watched the back and he lost control. He completely lost control. Like the crowd were incensed, you know, they were annoyed that Kerr had done what he'd done. Uh, they were annoyed at your man's antics. They were annoyed that we threw a two goal lead and we had chances after that, but it was sort of like, I got the impression from this. It was the first time that we were actually creating chances fluently. We found a really good style of football, a good attacking style of football. And Kerr killed that dead. And then the players sort of just went into business for themselves. And then it was just it was just route one. Like what out like your tactics, Brian, out the window. And funnily enough, Niall Quinn on the commentary turns around at first guy sports and says, Well, you know what? Uh, he's he's gone into a bit of a tactical switch here when Grain Cabin was coming on. Well, Brian Kerr knows about tactics, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. He absolutely killed us dead in that one. And mm. that was the beginning. And the players lost respect. In my opinion, the players lost respect for Brian Kerr in that. And Brian Kerr is only himself to blame. Yeah, certainly swung the momentum, didn't it? And then that June, well, sorry, a couple of days later, not even that June, literally four days later, we played the Faroe Islands away. Ian Hart and Kevin Colban scoring in a 2-0 win. A fairly touchy game. It was a little bit nervy. And then conveniently on the 3rd of, eight, uh, 3rd of whoa, August. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Whoa. I've got to tell us some stories about this one. This is brilliant. <laughs> oh, yes, brother. actually, yes. This is yes. one of the best trips I've ever been on watching Ireland. Right. We went into the Faroe Islands. This, none of them players wanted to be there. Their season had finished and we were flying in. Loads of fans were going to this game because the attendance actually is officially 5,000. Loads of Irish fans were going to this. It was a nightmare to try to get to. But we basically got fogged off. The game was nearly not going to be played at one stage. Our flight was the last one that landed in the Faroe Islands and loads of fans were coming in after us and we were all getting messages then. We didn't really have, 
you know, great mobile phones then and coverage, especially like that part of the world. But loads of fans were saying, oh, the game might not be on, lads. You're all going to be stuck there. We're still trying to get in there. And there was people coming in from like uh, Copenhagen and Reykjavik and everything. It was all sorts of ways of getting in there. But uh, we went there the night before. Brilliant. Because it was the end of season kind of do in a way for um, for the Irish fans as much as anything. You know, it was a long season. Been home and away a lot. And this was just going to be a trip to somewhere where you know, we're never really going to get to go. Um, so really looking forward to it. You know, basically Faroe Islands, if we ever get them again, I'd recommend going because... There's not a lot of hotels there. We were basically, this was for Airbnb and things like that. We would just negotiate. People would like put out feelers to people on websites and stuff. Can we stay at your house? It was like that. Like I was staying in a basement of some woman and <laughs> incredible host, like a few lads all, all bunked down and this thing, but like fresh bread every day and like couldn't do enough for you. Drove us into town. Well, into them. There's only one town really, but um, it was brilliant. It is um, a town. You know, she was giving us a lift in, like because you're basically mountainside. It's just so rural and stuff. But like, obviously, fishing ports and all that kind of stuff. A lot of lads did a proper trips and went out, you know, on the see what the whaling boats looked like and things like that. Loads of stuff. Not a lot of daylight. I remember as well. It was it was really weird. It's just a really weird place. You know, like all kind of a bit like Connemara in a sense. Yeah, I was, was like, going to say, say, it looks like the Yakal Islands. Yeah, it's like that. It's like, you know, you go past a house and you, you, well, you go far as you see a bit of brick and you think, oh, actually, yeah, that's a house in the mountainside. <laughs> but absolutely brilliant. Like, obviously, there was a few pubs there. We took them over. Um, and then, obviously, the game, went to the game. So we went down the night before to the stadium to watch the team train, a few of us. And um, we got, you know, best point position for our flags and everything like that and the Faroe Islands was training as well a few of the lads we all got on we had a bit of a kick around took penalties I've got photos I've got to find them somewhere but we had like a little penalty competition until we got booted off the pitch um next day obviously went to the game um but we knew that people weren't flying in you know like they literally said you there's no more flights landing we're kind of fog bound on the island and uh, obviously went to the game not brilliant you know really horrible conditions and everything but a highlight again for me is after the game, I managed to get the match ball because when I went to get the, my flag down, I jumped down off this railing and I went down behind the goal to get my flag down. And uh, the, the ball, the match ball was just sitting there. So I acquired that um, as a nice little memento. But we went into the thing after and, you know, we were talking about Roy Keane and signing things on this. I've got a photo somewhere. I will have to find it. Sadly, it's not like on a phone or anything because it was back then you had to bring an actual camera. But... Um, remember meeting the players like in the tunnel and I got John O'Shea to sign. I was a Man United fan. got him to sign the ball um, with a biro. I think that's long faded. Uh, walking <laughs> along afterwards, Roy Keane, I saw him in action as the friendly Roy Keane and then basically two minutes later, I say to a little kid, I've already signed one for you already. So um, he kind of rebuked this poor kid. But there was a photo of me and my friend's taking it, Bernard, to give him a shout out. And uh, he's taking a photo and Obviously, you're walking along and Roy King's there. And I go, oh, Roy can have a photo. My friend's kind of backing off. And uh, I put the arm around him. And in the photo, Roy, I'm actually looking at him thinking, really? Because he said to me, you don't have to put your arm around me. <laughs> and I'm going to, so I look, I'm actually looking at him thinking, did you really just say that? Like, so that's the photo I got. But the best bit of this, this trip, I'm, I'm not even talking, I've not even spoken about the football, have I? Because it wasn't memorable. <laughs> but um, the best bit afterwards, like, we didn't know were we were going to be getting home. And everyone went to back to his bar that night. And the kind of crack was that, um, you know, oh, they're opening up the nightclub. And I've seen some, I, I've tried to research photos and I've found some for this. So we will post them. 
but basically they open up this kind of nightclub this kind of room and it is a proper kind of disco venue it looks like it was i can't really remember much of it but we all went there and they said oh they're opening up everyone was really excited like all the locals were going oh they're opening up the nightclub tonight so everyone goes, that's where you should go everybody <laughs> yeah so okay we'll go there so anyway it's like something from father it's like something from father it, yeah. dead and it's about <laughs> i suppose it probably is 11 12 o'clock and the team just strolling in all their tracksuits and tops you know just, just in their kind of regular gear really and uh you know, this is their end of season, so it was just wild. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. It was a quite expensive place to drink as well, but like when the Irish team are like ordering crates of beer and pulling them out over the just like 24 bottles in a kind of case, landed over the bar and just let you, you know, you help yourself, lads. It was absolutely brilliant. There was loads of girls in there as well, all wanting to kind of be familiar with the Irish players, to be honest. Um, I just remember it an incredible night and I remember Roy Keane being there and then they opened up this little bit upstairs and it was as a kind of VIP area and um, they sort of play it. I remember just Roy Keane up on this kind of stage area and, and kind of waving to some of the other lads and they all went up there. But soon enough, the players all started drifting down again. They weren't up there for long because they basically wanted to be with the fans. And I mean, there's some great photos like there's. Basically, the, sh- the lads started ripping their shirts off each other and stuff, like messing around. They were just all getting pissed up, to be honest. But it was just crazy. Some absolutely great photos out there. But um, I remember, like, uh, I had a T-shirt on, and it just it just was a Roy Keane's face on it. And, uh, you know, one of them T-shirts you can get, you know, the player's kind of image, you know, like cult heroes thing. And it was just Roy Keane's face. And I was getting it signed, my shirt. And I went up to Kilban and said, oh, I always sign a shirt. And he went, who the fuck's that? I said, that's Roy. He just ripped my T-shirt. I made made a great effort to get it signed by everyone. I've still got it, I'm sure. I don't throw any of that stuff away. But um, it was just mad. I remember having a good chat with Matt Holland as well and saying to him, oh, were you, um, like, oh, how's it been with Roy back and stuff? Because I really, I found that quite an interesting angle. And uh, he said, oh, look, he said, you would not, years ago, you wouldn't have had him out tonight like he would just avoid this kind of thing so he's really making an effort that was his thing and he but mm-hmm. to be fair Matt Holland as we know is lovely but I'll never forget he actually said to me I'm not in great humor tonight I said oh well, what's up and he went well I got dropped didn't I <laughs> me Mr Insensitive because he actually got dropped <laughs> the game <laughs> but um, yeah it was just an absolutely brilliant night and then I remember the next day uh just we were told just go to the airport if they're going to be flights you'll all get put on them but the team are taking off first and I remember like just like bodies everywhere in this airport people are just dossing down everywhere and then the team come through and some of the lads were oh the lads are here look the team come through no one was even barely looking up at them it was just incredible great trip really good trip yeah no it's certainly an interesting place and of course we went back there a couple of years later didn't we under and so, did, and so did brian kerr he yeah yeah that's true yeah yeah <laughs> Jeez, put them on the map didn't he yeah so in between the qualifier against france we played italy in a friendly 2-1 loss andy Reid scoring i think from a free kick from what I remember, and it was Brian Kerr's first ever home defeat. Only had a couple, didn't he? And then, of course, the great Andrea Perlo scoring in that game too. So then we come up to September. So the latter stages of the qualifying campaign, we play France in Lansdowne Road. Thierry Henry scoring the only goal of the game in a 1-0 win. And I suppose one of the things that kind of stands out from that game was Shea giving save from from the great Zinedine Zidane, who just come out of retirement. So, yeah, that that was a, that was a tough one to take, lads, wasn't it? That was really the the start of the end of the campaign, wasn't it? It was always going to be an uphill battle from yeah. there. I I mean, before this game, Charam 
Zidane and McLeary all came back into the team. I remember Brian Kerr like laughing, saying, "Oh, are you going to bring back like Platini and uh, the, and all that?" And John Pierre Papin, I think, was another name mentioned. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for me personally, I think the campaign ended after the Israel game. Uh, for, for me personally, I remember this game. I worked at this game. I used to work in a little betting office. If you were at this game and you put a bet on in the East Stand, the chances are I t- you saw me like taking your bet or panicking with all these hands coming through the window. Um, but yeah, I remember this game and it, it was, yeah, I mean, the atmosphere was fantastic, but it was a must win game. And I think there was an expectancy that we were going to win this. This is probably one of our better, best Ireland teams for a number of years. And, you know, as I said, it was mixed team matured with one or two extra players in there. Roy Keane was playing, obviously, you know, although he had, um, and just, just, just to go back to what Mark was saying there, I think that was kind of part of the problem with Keane. I think he'd, I think he'd lost the fire, you know, where he's coming out and he's, he, he's having a night out with the lads and he's shown for friendlies. In a weird way, him being an arsehole, like with the rest of the players, kind of made him, you know, he beca- I think he be- almost became too friendly because for many of these games I watched with Roy Keane, you never see him bollocking anybody. Do you know that? Like that's one thing I did notice. Yeah, like, you was, never see him screaming at anybody. It was almost, it was almost like a semi-retirement, wasn't it? That campaign. Yeah, it was like a little sort of a, a, a goodbye, you know, and, you know, I'm trying to make things up for like Saipan and how it was maybe during the campaign. But that, that you know, you, you kind of needed that from him a little bit to, to give them a kick up the arse and, and to for them to raise. That was that was the beauty and the beast of Roy Keane, you know. But this game, I remember just being so disappointed. Uh, I watched the game uh, last week. Andy Reid hit, hit the post. Um, He was probably our best player around this time. Given pulled off a world class say Marston had a chance. Uh, that was really it. That was really it. After that, then it was just very workmanlike, very not a lot of creative uh, football from Ireland. Bizet trying to play football through the middle. Um, yeah, it was, it was just it was sort of very sort of like I don't see where you didn't see where a goal was going to come from with Ireland. You know, it was just very workmanlike. And then there was a you didn't really see where a goal was going to come from France either. But then Thierry Henry obviously um, was in the headlines for this one for the right reasons, although we knew yeah. what he'd do four years later. And Unbelievable. My story, oh, yeah. And my story from this one was that uh, my manager in that betting office had a, uh, a migraine, bless her, and I had to escort her to a taxi. We were on the east stand, and we had to go uh, the old Lanson Road. You could walk along around. The, you had to go around the pitch to get to. We had to go out through the west stand to get her out to the taxi um, which was waiting for I actually wasn't even one waiting for her. I had to actually flag a taxi down for her. And I remember I, have to wa- I had to walk through with a jacket over her head. <laughs> so I'm walking around and I'm escorting her because she can't see because she's gone blind from the migraine. Bless her. Like she, was in, she was in agony. And I remember just sort of walking around and I just took it. I'm walking around behind the goal. And I, look, I just looked to the right and I'm going, Wow. You know, I'm looking at all these players on there. You've got like Roy Keane, Zidane, McAuley, Charam, you know, all these players like on this pitch given as well. Like, you know, just proper world class players. And I, thought, I was just kind of in awe. And this poor girl like is walking around, doesn't really care what's going on and she can't see. And I took her out and we went to, I don't know if you guys remember the old um, pod where the, um, where the security guy used to sit. And there was a guy, I think he had, I can't remember his name. Was it Fran or was it Joe? I can't remember. It was one of those, but he, he had one, he had a wooden leg. 
and he used to go past them all the time into Lansdowne Road and I used to show him my accreditation and uh, he was I went into his little shed or his little pod thing because I heard uh, a celebration I heard a roar and I said oh we must have scored and I ran in I just saw the French players he had a little telly on RTE and all the French players were celebrating and I was like ah oh. and then I saw it just I was I, I just wanted to get back in some car showed up I hope it was a taxi and just like there you go Sam <laughs> See you later, you know, right back in it. Yeah, take her, you know, she'll t- she's still there with the, with the coat on her head, you know. I just wanted to run back into the stadium. I feel, what an asshole. And uh, yeah, and that was it. Yeah. I, after that, you just thought, yep, campaign over. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it just showed the fine margins of that group was our only defeat in the group. And then a couple of weeks later, so Brian Kerr uh, with John Delaney. So um, again, there was a bit of, bit of uh, loggerheads there, wasn't there? So Kerr kind of said, I will endeavour to find out privately how, how I feel about how John Delaney feels about me, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it kind of, you know, kind of showed how that man operated, didn't it? I mean, compared to Irish managers that surpassed him. And then in the October, we go to Cyprus. So a place that would become a very, very difficult place for us to go in the in the not too distant future so Stephen Elliott scoring the only goal again another early goal just showed the amount of early goals we scored in that campaign coming out of the block so after six minutes and Shea Given saving a penalty fairly soon after so it was really this was really um what's the word I'm looking for this is vintage given this was this was him him at his peak wasn't it this campaign probably the the best football he played you know and and again it was an awful game wasn't it really flat always difficult going to Nicosia and it, was, it was certainly a far cry from the time we beat them 4-0 just a couple of years before that. And, of course, Damien Duff coming off injured in that game. And that led us in the penultimate, or not the penultimate, but the final game against Switzerland, which brought the curtain down, unfortunately, on the World Cup, um, on the World Cup aspirations. So um, that was only a couple of days later, wasn't it? That was the same week. And we had to win to actually get into the playoff itself. So we'd already lost out in first place to the French and pretty much vying with the Swiss. And another flat performance that just epitomised the Brian Kerr era, the 2006 campaign, and this Ireland team at the time. A golden generation loss, essentially, with that game that went. Yeah. Um, this I remember watching the last few minutes of this game. Oh, yet again, I was at Lanson Road. Um, working in the east stand in the betting shop there and I just stood by where the corner flag was not too far from it and as the final whistle went down I went off I remember just thinking wow this is just this has just finished as a big giant damp squib and that is really we went out with a whimper you know and we had started so promisingly and we showed real signs of improvement on the previous campaign and it just fell apart. The wheels just came off. And I hate to say it, but that was Kerr's doing. Brian Kerr did that. It was so, so flat. Yeah, so we're, we're, we're actually going to, we're just conscious of the time there, lads. So we're actually going to wrap it up there. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a little bridging episode between the end of the Kerr the care era after the Swiss game and the Steve Staunton era. So we'll have that next Monday. Uh, even though we were enjoying the conversation as much as we were, but we are on time constraints, unfortunately. So until next Monday, keep the feedback coming. Let us know what you think of episode two and come on, you boys in green.